On today's episode of the Case Law Show podcast, I have uh, uh, Kevin Cook from Templeman LLP, and I also have uh, John Russell from Diane Russell LLP. Uh, we're going to get both perspectives. We're going to get the plaintiff perspective from John and the defense perspective from Kevin. So guys, you're going to really enjoy this podcast and uh, you know, sit back, relax, enjoy it, and uh, get ready for the show. All right, guys. So I want to just get right into this because I know it is uh, the night before Canada Day. We're recording this, so uh, just for everybody, so you kind of know what we're doing here. Uh, and I wanted to talk about how things have really changed from a litigation perspective, from both the defense side on your side, Kevin, and from the plaintiff side on your side, John, with regards to COVID. I mean, there's. I know I've talked to you both off the record and off, you know, the podcast about how things are different. But I, I really want to get your perspective at this point. We're about, you know. Um, 90, 100 days into this thing, and things are just crazy as far as how we're doing things. It's it's a different world. So, um, you know, I want adjusters and, you know, everybody else to know that, you know, things are different for you guys too, right? And, you know, so we'll have some perspective. Uh, John, I'll let you go first on this one, and then, uh, Kevin, you can kind of give me your perspective after. So, John, if you want to fire away, kind of tell me th- how things are different for you guys. Yeah, I think that really what's happened has just been a, an awakening. We've always had this technology here, and that now we're we're using it. You know, the ability to do discoveries by video conference was you know something that was just so obvious, but people were res, you know resisting it just because it wasn't the way they did it in the past. I think there's a real uh, amongst lawyers in general, there's a reluctance to do things differently. Um, they want to just keep doing things the way they were. And I think that's even more so with plaintiff lawyer, with personal injury lawyers in general, as I'm finding. You know, simple things like electronic fund transfer. Uh, I think anybody on this phone call right now or anybody listen, they probably haven't been inside a bank in years. Uh, <laughs> but in, in, but we deal with checks. You know, we'll settle a case and we have to wait sometimes a month to get the money when this can all be done with a push of a button. You know, that's, that things like simple things like that are happening. Uh, you know, video uh, conference for for a discovery. You know, on one level, you're missing. I would have thought you're missing that human element. So to a certain extent, it uh, you know, certain cases, I'm sure you would want to be in in person. But I'm finding that the technology works pretty good. You know, for example, from my perspective, I will mute my video, uh, mute my. Um, my sound so i'm not really i'm a fly on the wall literally and then it's just the plaintiff lawyer interacting with my client and i think that they get a better sense of um they're less distracted i finding i'm finding lawyers are actually looking people in the eye because what you'll find is that you know a lot of times you'll get younger lawyers they come in at a discovery they look down at their piece of paper with their list of questions and they don't do what they're supposed to which is interact with the person and i think that's what's happening now and it's a good thing you know, I I even you know I'm probably talking too much. I could go on. I'll just take a bit of a break here. But the one thing I thought I've suggested now is that adjusters can even attend a discovery. Um, why not? Because they can also be that fly on the wall, see what's going on, so they don't have to just rely on the opinion of their lawyer when it comes to what the person's like as a witness. Well, I was going to say at anyway, the end I've of the been... day, they make that decision. Really, I mean, the the lawyer kind of puts it out there and gives them their recommendation, but it is ultimately the adjuster and the insurance company's decision. So yeah, I, I, I think that's a good idea. Kevin, what do you think? What do you, what do you feel about this with things? And I, and just for the record, John, 
how long have you been in practicing law? Because I want to get the, you know that out there as well. You've been in the industry a long time, man. Uh, well, I yeah, I finished law school in '90, so I've been doing this for almost 30 years. All right, and Kevin, how long have you been at it? I've been doing it for six six years now, so I'm not quite the the lawyer that John was referring to earlier about uh, bringing in a script and, and interacting with the uh, with the with the plaintiff, but. Uh, I was maybe four or five years ago. No, but from that though, it, with you being a newer lawyer, and I'm, and I'm no disrespect, Kevin. What I'm saying, as as a younger lawyer, I think you bring different tools to the table because you use technology a lot differently than some of the older lawyers are used to, and I think you're not as restricted or not as held back with technology. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say. I mean, I certainly have experienced even in my own firm some of the issues that John's uh, raised about uh, being uh, sort of uh, stuck in, in the old times and wanting to, to adhere to tradition and, and doing the way, doing things the way they were always supposed to be done. And really what this pandemic has forced lawyers to do is adapt. Uh, I think, I think initially what happened in March, right when things hit, was that there was this mass uh, freakout kind of in the industry where we all panicked and canceled all of our discoveries and mediations and pretrials. The courts closed down, and we all were kind of in a wait-and-see kind of mode. And I found myself in the middle of April, maybe it was early May, kind of looking at my colleagues and thinking, well, what are we going to do here? We, we have to adapt. We have to do these, these discoveries virtually. We have to do uh, our, our court appearances virtually. Uh, we have to change. We have to adapt as a profession. We have to adapt as an industry. And, and really, uh, that's where we've, we've gone in the last month and a half or so, is that people are now more open to doing these, these virtual discoveries. I, I can tell you I've had... Um, I've been quite a busy guy lately. I've done three discoveries in the last five days, all virtually. So uh, it, it's been uh, a bit of a change, a bit of an adaptation. But yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly an advantage to some younger lawyers who have the ability to adapt to these kind of technologies and these these platforms that we're using for for doing these types of uh, of, of appearances. Uh, but it's, it's, they're not difficult to figure out once you, once you've had the opportunity to use them, I find that, you know, whether you've been practicing 30 years, six years, or whether you're a new, new lawyer, uh, you're, you're able to, to adapt quickly once you've figured it out and, and gotten the chance to use it. I want to jump on one thing that, that John mentioned about adjusters attending. I actually have done that, right? I, I started discovery and the adjuster appears on the screen says hello, introduces themselves, so the plaintiff has an opportunity to, to understand who the name is that, that's just in the box that, that's going to be black uh, throughout the, uh, the the virtual discovery. Uh, but it, uh, it kind of takes a little pressure off me as a defense lawyer because I, I pride myself on writing very detailed discovery reports. But ultimately, I have to make a very serious recommendation to my adjusters, and that's what the credibility of the plaintiff is going to be and what, the, what that's going to look like uh, if we ever get to trial. And it's nice to be able to still make that judgment and make that assessment, but it's, it's even better when I'm able to call my adjuster afterwards and say, this is what I thought. Is this what you thought? What was your perspective? So it's been, it's been great in that respect from my perspective. 
Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's just an evolution. You know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, Kevin, I don't know if Terry's explained, but I was defense counsel probably as long or longer than I was a plaintiff lawyer. So I, I think I kind of bring a different approach to things. I think the problem is, is that a lot of um, a lot of defense counsel, a lot of adjusters sort of come with this feeling that um, they have to be at war with every plaintiff lawyer and every plaintiff. And it's I can get that. It's easy to be cynical about things, but um, and, and there are some firms on the other side that kind of bring that out in adjusters and just with their approach. But really, it's about we're we're on two sides of the same coin. You know, we're trying to assess the case, and a big the biggest part of that is understanding what the person is, uh, what the plaintiff is like, because we're all you know very few cases actually end up at trial anymore. But we're all trying to figure out what is the jury going to do. Well, how do you do that? By just, we're all human lie detectors. We all get a sense of people. And you know, I think just if you have more, the actual having that decision split and the assistance of the adjuster, I think is a good thing. So I've been suggesting it, it hasn't actually happened yet, but everybody I talk to about it thinks, it thinks it's a great idea. And we're suggesting it now, and we have always done this. When we're talking with the adjuster, we're finding it harder and harder nowadays. I think this is because, Terry, you can comment on this. I think just institutionally, it's harder for adjusters to settle cases the old school way because the institutions have been set up now that they have to get X, Y, Z and do this, or they have limited authority. So cases are very rarely settled with the adjuster at the adjuster stage now. But what we've been doing is just trying to open up that dialogue with them at that point and say, hey see you on the other side at a mediation, you know, and we'll keep that, we'll keep that conversation going. Well, now we're saying, Hey, why don't you come to the discovery and then we can do a mediation afterwards, or we can all just get on the phone. And I think it's, um, you know, it catches some people off, uh, unaware, I guess, or unexpecting it. But the way I look at it, we have good cases. We only take on people that have real injuries, real cases. So I've got nothing to hide. I want everybody to meet them. Um, you know, and I, I think that if you know, if, if you find firms that are un, unwilling to do that, and I think there'll be, uh, you know, I could probably list uh, most of our competition out there on the plaintiff side probably wouldn't like that idea because they're still caught in that whole grip that you have to be at war with the other side. And uh, don't get me wrong, there's a place for that. I've done more trials, I think, than most people. And if I have to go down that route, I can do it. But um, I don't think that should be the first thought on every case you know, that we're at war with each other. Well, it's funny, just, and I'll jump in here because as, as bringing the insurance perspective from it, um, I've had or settled the best cases with lawyers just stopping in and talking with them and getting a feel and, and them letting me look at their file and their notes and, you know, just having that one-on-one -on -one conversation, even before we get to discovery, just that open door policy. I've always had that in my, in my adjusting type career. I mean, things are a little mm -hmm. different now with what I do in the insurance side of things. But when I was a straightforward, you know, straight shooting adjuster and just doing the adjusting side of things, I, I mean, I loved going in and talking to the plaintiff lawyers in Toronto and, you know, Ottawa and, you know, wherever I was at the time. And it, it was it was great. And I, and I think, John, it, we're going back to that again. I think this is, you know, pushing us back to that. I mean, like what is old is new again. We're kind of reinventing the same wheel. And I think this I think is, so. I think this is changing. Yeah. I really do think this is going to change things for people. I mean, I've done more interviews in the last month than I did, I think, in the last seven, eight months, only because I didn't have to travel. So I didn't have to be, you know, I could interview somebody in Winnipeg one day and somebody in Vancouver the next.
because I was doing it yeah. by Zoom as opposed to, hey, I could interview you this week, three days later, maybe I'll make it out to Vancouver or whatever, but there's travel time and there's restrictions and making things work. That all changed. That's gone away. Those things are just, yeah. I mean, it's simple now. And it's great, and I think it's less intimidating for plaintiffs. It's less intimidating for the people you're interviewing because they're just sitting at home. They don't even have to put on pants, yeah. you know. Um, so um, it's uh, – I'm finding that the clients are more at ease. You know, I always – you know, people are usually amazed at, like, you know, thinking on a plaintiff's side there's some huge preparation for discovery, and there isn't really. I just get – I don't have people study all their records or study anything like that. I just tell them, look, you're – you just have to, they're going to get a sense of what you're like as a person today. So just relax and answer questions the best you can. It's not a test. You know, you just, you can't hide who you are. So that, I, I think that comes out more. And I think you're right. That lost art of being able to just talk and kind of get a sense of a person and discuss files. I think it's going to come back, but I think Terry, a lot of that, for that to change, there has to be some institutional change at some of these companies because they've got to, you have to actually train your adjusters and then uh, trust them to do their job. Well, I think... And I, I think that, sorry, John, I was going to say, I think that's coming yep. back. And I, and, and I only think that because of the way we're handling... You know, they're, they're giving you a lot more freedom because you're working from home, and they're giving you a lot more trust to work your files. I, I just see that just from, you know, the people I'm talking to. It's the, the companies are having to do that because you're not in the office anymore. You're working from home, right? And there's nobody there looking over your shoulder. Sure, they can, you know, spot check your files, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you got to do your work, right? It's just... Well, that too, but it, you know what else was just to change, and this has helped. they got to let Kevin do his job too because, you know, I'm hearing that again from de defense. I mean, and Kevin might say the same thing. Maybe I'll, I'll say it if he's uncomfortable saying it, but the insurance companies... Um, aren't listening to their lawyers and letting them do their job either. I don't Again, think... it's just like, I, I think there's this institution and, you know, they they want to control everything to the point where sometimes the, the, not the individual adjuster, but the company is somewhat at war with their own lawyers. Uh, that's my, that's how I see it. I don't know. Kevin, how do you feel about that? Because I, I got to be honest, I know Kevin and Kevin's never uncomfortable about saying anything that's truthful. So Kevin, give us your, your, your thoughts on that. Well, I, I wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm at, at war with, with, uh, with my adjusters or, or that I get the sense, the sense that, I, that they're at war with me. Uh, I think that ultimately what we're trying to do is, is uh, as we advance litigation, is just really try to get a sense for what the risk is as we, as we move forward. So uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, that necessarily, but I, but I mean, each, each insurance company has different policies, and, and I get that. Uh, there's there's different approaches and, and they they even go down to the adjuster level, right? So I mean, each adjuster might have a different perspective on on how they want to attack each case. Ultimately, I think what it comes down to for us as defense counsel is identifying some of the situations that might arise as we prepare for discoveries and prepare and evaluate a claim and uh, making sure our, our adjusters are, are fully aware of what what the possible possible issues are and whether they want to be more involved, less involved what the risks are and, and, and make those assessments early on so that we can have better, better communication. But I, I think where we're going uh, with, uh, with, with this new technology, it's allowing us to be a little more um, adaptable in terms of how we want to approach each individual case on, a, on an individual, uh, in an individual way, in a unique way, in a case specific way. Kevin, are you liking this better? 
and be honest. Are you liking being able to do Zoom yeah. interviews and being able to just, you know, you don't have to worry about the travel or that kind of stuff? I mean, I mean, you literally just log in and turn on, right? Is this, are you well, liking this? Some, yeah, I, I've had some interesting situations in some of the discoveries that I've done, right? So uh, I've had a, a discovery today where, uh, sorry, yesterday where the plaintiff's uh, wife was sitting there whispering answers to them. It's like, I, I can hear you. I can hear, I can hear this. <laughs> Holding up paper. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And right? do you call them on right? it? Well, it was an interesting situation because because uh, I raised it for, for plaintiff's counsel off the record, uh, but uh, we ended up uh, in, embarking on some settlement negotiations afterwards. So it, it, the, the point became kind of moot, but, uh, you know, the, the comment was something to the effect of, oh, you know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> So I use Zoom for most of what I, uh, most of the discoveries and mediations that I've been doing, but I was using a different platform. Yeah. And and I won't mention which one that was, but there were multiple defense counsel on it. And oftentimes if there's if there's two defense lawyers, I don't know if John lets this happen, but uh, I might just jump in and not wait for my turn to ask questions. And I find oftentimes that helps just with the flow of the discovery rather than asking a plaintiff to remember some evidence they gave two hours earlier. Uh, in any event, um, there was this massive gap in in this this silence where <laughs> there was no question being asked, and I thought I had a pretty relevant question to put to the to the witness. And I embarked on this uh, thirty so, so that thirty second um, explanation of where I was coming from, and then asked the question. And then the plaintiff started asking, answering a completely different question. And what had happened as I asked that question, I, unbeknownst to me, is that this platform had frozen for about 45 seconds. And there was a full line of questioning that was happening between the other defense lawyer and the plaintiff that I didn't hear, record, note, dr- oh, <laughs> yeah, put, put, yeah, put down for my, for my discovery report. Uh, and it was, and it was totally, uh, it was totally unbeknownst to me. So I, I am experiencing those types of situations where there's, there's just little things that just make it not exactly what we're used to. Now, we'll probably adapt. Like, like I said, two months ago, three months ago, we weren't using any of these types of platforms. Uh, so we'll adapt and we'll learn to, to make accommodations to, to, to deal with these issues. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's much that, that, takes, that, that, that you can compare to actually sitting down meeting someone in the flesh. But in this current circumstances, and sometimes it's, it's necessary, you know, using virtual means to conduct our, our, our work is, is going to be necessary. Okay. Here's a question, and, and, and John and I have discussed this off the air. What do you think about electronic signatures? Well, uh, that, I, I, I've been using DocuSign um, for mediation briefs and yeah. releases. Sorry, not media, media, mediation agreements, uh, but more importantly, releases and uh, dismissal orders and things like that. Uh, that's the extent of what I've been using electronic signatures for. I mean, frankly, I mean, I, I know that I'm young, a younger lawyer. I'm a little uneasy about about non-original documentation. Usually, what I'll do to protect myself is send some sort of contemporaneous email saying, "Oh, I received this document, this signed electro- electronically signed document. Um, here's a copy of mine." Just to sort of have a, a an email trail as well with the document, uh, the electronic signatures, but. That's just generally my practice. I don't know if every lawyer will be doing that. John, on your side, what do you think about it? 
Yeah, I, I just think that, I mean, what is a release? I mean, think about it. When you settle a case, people want a release because they don't want that person to bring another claim or say that the case didn't settle. Well, there's no magic. I think, I forget, was it Patton Oswalt, the comedian that said, you know, think about it like a signature when you're buying a house. It's got your name on it, where you live, et cetera, but now you got to do this magical, woo, now I signed it, <laughs> now that's legal. And that's what we're talking about here, and it's just an old way of thinking. So we can trace it. Like, if we're at a mediation and we settle a case, uh, the plaintiff lawyer is there. I'm acknowledging that it's settled, and so has, and so has the plaintiff himself. What's going to happen? If he walks out of the room and says, ha-ha, I didn't really settle this, well, first of all, as, a, as an officer of the court, I can't support that. If he goes to another lawyer, that other lawyer is going to call me. That other lawyer can't support that. If he tries to do it on his own, he's going to get laughed out of court. So there's really, you know, the fact that this, like, people are even thinking about it. I'm actually happy to hear, it, Kevin, that you were good with it and you're doing it. Because we actually had some older lawyers that I had to... Uh, you know, send like a five-page email to explain to them why uh, <laughs> why an electric electronic signature is fine. You know, we were talking about settling a case that was forty thousand um, dollars. I think we've all bought or been involved in real estate deals involving much much more significant sums than that um, with electronic signatures, and nobody bats an eye. Well, that's nobody was, thinks twice about an electronic say. signature on a on on a you know a million dollar house. But now, ooh, ooh, wow, well, it's not a real signature. Uh, I don't know about this $40,000 case. Anyway, I just think this is going to force some of the older lawyers to rethink that because it just makes life so much more, so much easier, you know, when, and cause especially because we have clients all over the province. So for us, having to run out and get somebody to do a real signature, it just slows the whole process down. You know, and talking about authorizations or even the accident benefit application, I mean, all this stuff, you know, we're doing it electronically now, and I think people might have thought twice or said no to it, are now accepting it, and I think it's going to now, you know, that horse is out of the barn kind of thing, so it's going to be hard for people to go back, and I think it's just a fantastic thing for our industry. Oh, I, I mean, the electronic, the electronic funds alone, just think about that. I mean, we're settling cases now, and we're getting funds, you know, the next day if, there's, if they had proper authority, and we push a button, it's in our client's pocket the next day. You know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I laugh because you said about going into the bank. Now, it's funny. I'm actually going to go to the bank because I need to get tap added to one of my debit cards that I don't have. Yeah. So I never have to go into a bank ever again or do, uh -huh. you know, that that thing. So I never have to physically touch anything. I'm going to add tap to yeah. my, my one of my debit cards that doesn't have it for, you know, what whatever weird reason. Uh, just wasn't yeah. set up with it. So it's just funny. I'm just, we're ju I find that this is forcing me to use technology, you know, more than I ever did. And I'm really, really liking it. I'm loving the fact that my insureds are using an electronic signature and the people I'm dealing with, you know, for proofs and schedules and uh, authorizations and everything that I need on the insurance side. And, and I know it just, it's expediting the claim. It isn't slowing it down. It's expedited. Well, Terry, spread the word, man. Spread that <laughs> word to everybody inside the insurance companies. You make my life easier. Well, I've actually got a precedent now that I'm sending out to these lawyers when they complain about it. So, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know how it's. I don't know why there would be pushback. I mean, like you said, like it's the standard in real estate, and we're you know million well, dollar, two million like, dollar transactions. We're talking sometimes ten thousand dollar claims, and they're like, oh no no, that's not a real signature. I'm like, what? 
Well, well I, I've also been doing this 30 years on both sides. How many times have I had somebody resile from a settlement? Uh, Zero. Zero. So what other things are you guys seeing out there with this change? Are you, are you, are you liking it, John? Are you, are, you, are you finding your cases are settling better, or you're getting to the adjuster quicker? Or? Uh, well, no, I think at first there was this sense, I think everybody was canceling everything on the other side. Um, and then I think this defense started to realize that, well, with the courts closed, uh, how are we going to dock it? So people are actually coming back and like trying, trying to trying to talk to us and settle cases. But uh, the courts being closed and now coming back, really being backed up. Um, you know, this is this is something I wanted to talk about. I've been trying to suggest this. I'm getting good response. You know, oftentimes we find that if we can't get a case settled, the big problem is that one side or the other is just having a problem seeing the the, the case from the other perspective. You know, there's two sides to every case. Cases don't settle when you can't see that other side and see a reason to meet somewhere in the middle. Well, that's why I, f I was finding more and more cases. More cases were not going to trial, but more and more cases were going almost to trial because you had to get to that pretrial so you could have that third party come in and say, oh, yeah, guys, if you thought of this, if you thought of that, whoever was being the problem and getting us together to settle. Well, pretrials are going to be harder and harder to come by now, given what uh, what's going on with the court. So what I've been suggesting to people is I've been putting a together a list of defense guys that are doing uh, pre that are doing mediations. So we know that they're they're going to be palatable to the insurance companies because these are defense guys who are now doing mediations and suggesting that they do something that's even cheaper than a half day roster mediation. We're trying to we're, I'm calling the concept a private pretrial. So basically, we file pretrial memos with this guy, whoever or woman, whoever it is we decide that. And, it, and, it, and I think it tends to be somebody that the insurance companies are happy with because I really don't care. I don't have an axe to grind and have that person basically conduct a pretrial. So you don't have to meet anywhere. It's going to be cheaper than a roster mediation and even half day of roster mediation. You file your mediation memos. You could even have a video part where you, you have a a quick uh, conference with each other and the mediator could meet or talk to the plaintiff. Um, and cause really that's the only person that matters. The adjuster does nobody needs to question the adjuster. If anything, the adjuster wants to eyeball the plaintiff. And we've suggested it now in a couple of cases and getting good response and we haven't actually done it yet, but we've got, I don't get, I have to get into names, but one former defense guy who, who was willing to do it has set aside a, a day and we're, we're trying to set up a number of them. And I think, I don't know, I'll be interested to hear what your reaction is to that, Kevin. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting concept, right? I mean, for for all intents and purposes, it's not quite different from from a mediation. And I mean, ultimately, what we see in in pretrial briefs is that usually they're just sort of some some sort of revised form of a, of a previous mediation brief. But uh, I agree yep. that it's going to be tough. I actually have my first virtual pretrial next week, so uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to see how how that goes. Uh, but, Are they actually doing it by video? Yeah. That, well. It's unconfirmed yet. But I, but oh. the, the the trial coordinator is going to confirm that with us, but I, I they're they're expecting that it's going to go virtually. Oh, okay. fantastic! So, I've done them by phone now, but no, yeah. the court wasn't able to do it by video. Sorry for interrupting. Sorry, Kevin. Well, just no, no, just, just yeah, before you I, get I, into I, that a little more, what jurisdiction yeah. is it? So we have that out there. So if we do find well, out it, more, it, it, it's a pretrial in Kingston. Oh, excellent. So, well, hopefully yeah. you'll have to, when we do our next talk next month, uh, we'll have to confirm if it went by video. But anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, so 
even in the you know I don't know what I'm talking about. Even that first page of the of the pretrial memo, you you put the the parties and, and their lawyers and and the location. And even I had to put. I, I think I drafted my my memo yesterday. I think it was you know the court the court address, but also but to proceed by uh, virtually uh, to be confirmed by the court. Right. So it's just sort of like a whole new. What do I even put in in, in this location of, of the pretrial here? But uh, yeah, so so that'll be going that'll be going next week. I'll be interested to see how it goes, and I mean it'll be probably uh, a little bit different from from mediations, uh, virtual mediations, where uh, and and John will be familiar with this, no doubt, where where the mediator will have the ability to put the parties into separate virtual rooms, and, yeah. and then and then conduct the mediation that way. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I don't know if the judge will be well versed in in the in the process of, of using zoom so uh every pretrial is, is different but a lot of the time what what i've been finding in my pretrials is, is depending on the jurisdiction is that a lot of the times it's the lawyers in front of the judge and then sometimes the parties come in but we'll see how it goes because i know my, my adjuster certainly plans on participating in some way shape or form with that said i i like john's idea i think it's, it's again uh, another example of sort of our profession adapting and trying to, to, to move matters along because we have to, right? So I, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a, an, an innovative way of, of moving matters along, but uh, it's going to be really interesting to see some of the changes we see in the, in the courts and how, and how the, the, the courts adapt to these, uh, these new times, because there's some pretty, pretty significant changes being proposed uh, by, by the, the attorney general's office, about about adapting and, and moving moving the profession forward. So it'll be interesting time just uh, in our profession from the court perspective, not just discoveries, mediation, and the, that step of the process uh, in the next few years to see to see what kind of adaptations and changes are being considered and implemented. Well, yeah. Let me jump in there. I think this is what is old again is new again because I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember when they used to do settlement week where you would take a bunch of files? And you would go yeah. to a you know a hotel and meet with plaintiff lawyers yeah. and try and settle stuff in one week leading into the fall. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's so, essentially what I. What, that's the concept that we're trying to promote, and well, you know, use basically it's outsourcing the court because you know the thing is is that we all know Kevin that you know getting a, a pretrial is only as good as the judge, you know. And if we have a personal injury case and we get the smartest person in the world, but they they were a family law lawyer. Um, it, it often is not all that useful. And that's why no, I'm saying if, we, if we go this concept, we get somebody and, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, I, I can say this, even though I'm a plaintiff lawyer, but I think because I was defense first, that a lot of the smartest lawyers are on the defense side. So a lot of these guys, um, that are, are now becoming mediators have been around, uh, they know how, they know what they're doing and they can add that kind of extra perspective that we need to, to get the case done. I, I, you know, we'll see, but I think it's something new we're going to have to do because, uh, Kingston, you know, uh, you know, we don't have that many cases here in Kingston right currently, but you know, things move relatively quickly here, but in jurisdictions like Toronto or Brampton, it's completely broken. Uh, oh, and, and it was, it was broken before and it's going to be yeah. more broken now. Right. That's the way. Yeah. Like, you know, the oldest file in our cabinet is almost six years old and it's in Brampton. And that case was, you know, we're also dealing with a, 
let's just say a difficult <laughs> lawyer on the other side who just who's relishing the delay because I've been saying from day one, why don't we agree to move it to Orangeville, you know? But I've got a, I've, I've got a, somebody on the other side who doesn't want to settle, but also doesn't want it to go to trial. Um, right. It's, it's a ridiculous situation. And, and it, we're six years in. Yeah, that's uh, and, crazy. And that's, that's only gonna, that's gonna only be worse when, uh, when the courts reopen. You know, and the problem is, is that the way the, the case law is, that case, the accident was in Brampton. The people live in Brampton. So I, I couldn't issue it anywhere else. I find when I do issue it in Orangeville, like somebody will say, well, oh, the law says it's got to be in Brampton. And I can't fight that. So it goes there. But the, how ridiculous it is in Brampton is that the cases in Brampton, when they get called, often they don't have a judge. They'll move it to Orangeville anyway. So I've been right. t- saying that to this lawyer. The the, the guy the case is six years old. The lawyer's been uh, he's in I think he's an eight year call. So that it's been he's been handling this case for almost his entire career. Anyhow, um, maybe he wants to see it through uh, to the end of his career. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I guess. But I think that that's I don't want to get caught up in that. I think yeah. the problem is the courts, you know. And I think we need to find a way to just get that other person, that other voice, to say, okay, you know what, look. I've been doing this long enough to know that I can be wrong. You know, I found that um, it was, uh, you know, the, and I mean, I think Kevin's been doing this long enough to see that as well. It's the, uh, it's the, the youngest lawyer in the room that knows everything. Um, he's like the, the first year lawyer will tell you more about what a jury will do than I ever would. Um, and, and that's obviously not the way it should be, but um Anyway, I'm starting to sound like a cranky old man there. No, no. So we we have to we have to find other ways to to you know to come together and get these cases settled because we know that most of them are not going to trial. So let's just well, that, get well, to that point. Well, what'll be inter- what'll be interesting to see is, is how the, how the industry adapts in, in the sense of move. In, I think it even I I started out my career on Bay Street, and I'm I'm thinking of of uh, of you know, the master's court, right? Where there's these motions or, or procedural motions that are generally mm-hmm. on consent or mm-hmm. very, very minor issues to, to be determined. Yes. Why, yes. why is there, why is there a requirement for personal attendance at that? Why does my insurance so, company yeah. have to, yeah. have to pay three hours for me to sit in, in, in master's court with, you know, another hundred lawyers as I wait my turn to go up. Why can't oh, I, I agree. Have, I agree with you. Why yeah. can't I just have a five-minute virtual time scheduled for me to to get my consent motion approved? Right? Like, there's just so many more ways we can be efficient with our time. Do you think? Oh, that, do you think that's going to be forced? Do you think that's going to force their hand to do that, guys? With this? Well, you know? I think I, I think you know I, I spoke to a judge about it. At, uh, we did a pre-trial on this by phone, and his thing is that he doesn't think it's they're a long way away from having the technology to be able to do that. And let's not forget, a lot of judges are, are old. And um, they do have they don't, clerks. They're not all that. They're not all that technically sound. No, I know, but that's a whole system that has to change. Like I'm optimistic. I think Kevin's right. Like I mean, I can't. You know, from our perspective, the way our practice is run, it's just me and my par- business partner. We have former adjusters on staff, so when we have to go to court over a motion, it's myself or my business partner going, and it's it's just ludicrous what we're in court for. You know, these things could easily be done over the counter, let alone having a video conference to deal with them or, or the, the whole concept of assignment court. Like why are, why, why are we having like groups of people together to deal with scheduling of a court date? That's, 
that that's just you know we we should be taking horse and buggy to the court to do that it just makes no sense yeah that's it's that sounds so mundane and so so i don't know i i don't even have a good word for it it's just ridiculous i mean we yeah. have technology here guys that i mean like i said we're sci- we're doing things today that we just never thought we'd be doing and i think the courts are going to have to catch up well and the courts are too focused on trials um yeah you need a trial date set but get a pre-trial and set the trial at the pre-trial there should be a rush to get a pre-trial because pre-trials are what get cases settled and when you're at that pre-trial then you can really get a sense of this is going to settle or not and put it on a trial list you will have your trial list will be so much more efficient if there was just a rush to pre-trial and then set the trial rather than like a setting a trial and then setting a pre-trial before it, that's assuming that every case is going to trial when the stats show us historically, it, it maybe 3% of the cases are going to trial and that's probably 2% too high. Yeah. Like, I was thinking it, that's a little high these days, man. I don't, and, I can't and the remember. Whole, and the whole, and the whole system is set up for that. You know, it's just, doesn't make sense. Yeah. We have to have that right to trial some cases have to go to trial, but we shouldn't be assuming every case is going to trial and, 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 and bogging up, bogging down the system because of it. All right. It doesn't make any sense. Well, let me ask you guys, what is one thing you would like to see? Uh, John, I'm going to ask you, what's one thing you would like to see from the defense side? And then Kevin, I'm going to ask you, what's one thing you'd like to see from the plaintiff side to make things easier with this? So going forward, well, I, if you had a I, wish I'm list... Ar- Give me one I, thing. I'm already seeing. I'm already seeing it and hearing it. Like what Kevin's saying is sounds great. I don't need to change anything. I just like, uh, you know, he's got an open mind about using electronic signatures, doing things virtually. You know what I'm suggesting with this pretrial and things with the court. I agree with everything he's saying. I just we need more people to think like Kevin on the defense side. So that's what you're looking for. You want more buy-in on the other side. Yeah. Okay. For more people, but I'm fine. But to be fair. The more people I talk to, I'm finding that. Like every virtual discovery I do, I have this positive discussion. Everybody's enjoying it. I haven't really, I have not yet had a negative discussion about it. So uh, I'm just very optimistic that uh, things are going to work themselves out. So I like what I'm seeing and hearing from the other side. Okay. And Kevin, what about you from the defense side? What are you looking for from the plaintiff side? It can be general or it can be specific. Well, same thing on on my side. I'm I'm liking some of the suggestions. I mean, I think what we've what we've seen in the last three months since since the whole world shut down was that we've learned that we need to adapt, right? So we need to, that we need we need to uh, approach all of our matters with an open mind and, and an idea of how we can move the matter forward, as opposed to uh, letting it stall, not 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 addressing specifically the the situation that that John just raised with that six year old file. But uh, I mean, going forward, what I what I hope is is uh, is considered by the plaintiff side is that you know at some point when there is some sort of normal where we're not all walking around in masks and uh, and and socially distancing and whatnot, is that. I, I just hope that put the plaintiff side note that there's that everything is 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 very fact specific and case specific. So there may be that case where uh, I don't want to go to Barry and and uh, have the opportunity to meet John's client face to face, but there might be situations that there would be. So uh, just some sort of appreciation on the other side that ultimately and John knows this when I when I when I talk to an adjuster, 
I, I will say, look, this is there's some, there's some questions that I have here, and I think this is going to be a big, not that every case isn't, but the credibility is going to be a massive issue on this case. And I want to and I want to meet this person, uh, this this plaintiff in person, and and just knowing that sometimes virtual discoveries or virtual mediations are are going to work, and sometimes they won't. But just to be flexible and and, and appreciate what the uh, the defense side and, and perhaps likely uh, what's coming from the adjuster, uh, what kind of perspective they're taking as they approach the the, the trial. Okay. And John, are you getting pushback from the insurance side about virtual discoveries and stuff, or are they, for the most part, have no, they no, been no. good? No, no, no. Like I said, every all my, it's all been very positive so far. And um, there was a big, there was a big case that came out that 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 uh, I, John, you no doubt read it, uh, that uh, required virtual discoveries to be happening. Someone objected to uh, a discovery happening virtually, and and there was a motion brought in the and the. Uh, there were some great quotes in the case, uh, <laughs> but ultimately the the, the motion judge, uh, I think they referenced Quill and and, and paper in in, in the uh, decision, nice. uh, and, and how we have to and how we have to move away from it. But ultimately, you know, what, what happened was it, the judge said you got to go virtually. You can't you can't uh, delay or stall anymore. It's funny. I had a we had a case uh, where we have uh, we'll just say cranky old defense counsel on the other side. Uh, he was the third party and. My client had moved to England, or she was from England. She was injured here. It was just like a serious objective injury, but it was a slip and fall. So liability is always an issue. But he was refusing for year, like for about a year before this happened. So you know, he couldn't do it. He was going to bring a motion for security for cause. She had to come back here. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I'll fly her back here. I'll have her go assessments. You're paying it in the end if you want me to do that. And then COVID came along, and all of a sudden now the discoveries have gone very smoothly uh, by video conference. And he was so, so uh, well, against. And, wow. And he, and he also had his client move to B.C., and now he's changing his tune because he didn't want to, he didn't want to travel to B.C. Initially, he was like, oh, well – he was using that as a way to delay. But anyway, uh, there's there's always bad apples. But I think that for the most part, everybody I'm talking to is embracing this change. And it's just at the end, I think we're all. I'm just optimistic. Everything's going to be better. Well, and, and like we kept. I, I think there are some cases from the defense perspective. There would be some cases that I would want to do in person. Like the credibility is an issue, but. I don't think that's going to really happen with our cases because uh, I, I'm not going to open a file where I, I think uh, the client doesn't have any credibility. So, but you're going to run into firms that obviously are more of a mill and that they have those kind of cases, and you're going to have to insist on doing those when in person. I get that. I was just uh, going to say that I, I wish everyone was like you, John. But well, here, guys. Well, but I mean, but but even if they not, like you know, if if you have some credibility issues with my client, I want call me up and tell me. You know, I, I like. If you've got something on them, you've got surveillance or whatever, just call me up and tell me. I don't want any part of that, um, you know. Uh, but if uh, if somebody wants to do something in person, I'm not, you know, I'm going to suggest it be it by video. But I, I'm I'm okay, you know. I like to go and meet people and get back and get the free food at the discovery place. I'm all good with that. So, <laughs> but hang well, on, I just don't want to travel too far for it. I don't want to travel too far for it, and and I live in Aurora, and I do not like to go downtown unless it's to a Raptors game. So I refuse to have a discovery downtown. All right, hang well, on, hang on. All, this is all good. This is all good for our waistline. This, yeah, yeah. This, uh, no, but hang we're on. Not, we're not all eating. We're not all eating the, the court reporters' food. So. so here's yeah. here's my question: Have you guys ever done cases that involve U.S. clients? Be it in the past? Uh, well, yeah, the odd time I have had right? cases accident. 
And they're they're what do you mean stand, by what? well, whether it's an an insured or a defendant or a plaintiff or whatever. So somebody involved yeah. and it's in the U.S. Isn't there standard always to do it by video? I mean, uh, for the most I've part, never. I, I I hadn't come across that in the past. I mean, I I had done one by video, but not that long ago. No, so I I can't say that I had that experience but you'd know better than i would terry yeah i mean i was talking to a, a u.s lawyer and that's kind of their it's always been their standard so they're not this isn't new to them this is just kind of no i know this is just kind of like oh, okay we're doing it by zoom we're not using the other platforms we used to because everybody's on zoom but from what yeah, i gather know, well, they're, it, yeah they're yeah. doing it that sorry. way sorry no i didn't mean to cut well, you off no, I mean, the United States doesn't have much to teach us about life at times, but that their courts are, are working electronically. Um, and I know that, like, some of the things that Kevin was talking about, motions and pretrial hearings, they're, they're even doing, uh, I've, I've read and saw, like, effectively a court of appeal hearings online now. You're making submissions online, the judges are robed, and et cetera. You're, everybody's sitting there virtually dealing with it. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're ahead of the game when it comes to that, that's for sure. Yeah. So and the other thing, the other thing I would point out is that, uh, and you know this, Terry and John knows this, is that the U.S. may be a little bit ahead of us because of exactly the situation that John was explaining earlier. Is that there's um, there's a lot of gray hair in this profession, and mm. we're a we're we're a profession that's steeped in tradition. It stems all the way back to 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 England, right? I mean, we don't wear those ridiculous wigs, but we still, when we have a major motion or a trial or whatever, we get into our. Yeah into our robes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. States, right? No. Yes. No, it's, yep. it's so different. I mean, and, and that's fine. I just, I'm just, I just wanted to point out the fact that, you know, <sighs> we always bag on the U.S. for certain things, but I mean, I got to give it to them when it comes to this. They just seem to be, I mean, they're just rolling with the punches and it's just like business as usual when it comes to this stuff. Whereas I think we kind of had, you know, we stumbled for 30, 45 days trying to figure it out and they were just like, huh. Ah, all right, we're we're switching to Zoom. That was it, and they just continued on. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it more go, like it, it's just this is all going to be for the best in the long run. All right, guys, once again, thank you very much for being on the Case Law Podcast. I mean, I love that you guys are on here. So, Kevin and John, just uh, thanks again. And uh, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And uh, next month, guys, stay tuned. We're going to talk about concussions and head injuries and uh, thin skull, crumbling skull. I think it's going to be a great topic. We're going to talk about it from a plaintiff perspective and an insurance perspective on Kevin's side. And I, I've got a personal view on it as well. So, um, you know, so sit tight, guys. Enjoy this podcast. Like I said, it was wonderful. I, I really appreciate you guys both being on there. So thanks, John. Uh, and thanks, Kevin. <laughs>